Welcome to Soul Inspired Leadership's latest podcast. And today, due to popular demand, I have I have Adisha Natavit Harana. And we're we're uh, we're talking last time is on, we were talking about the ecosystem and how our leader oils the squeaky wheel. That's all they've got to do, is just making sure the ecosystem or the wheel turns and grows. Now, in this case, uh, after after that podcast, I was talking. We we're talking. We we're talking. He's giving him, giving me another story. We we can end up with a, a, a war and peace novel out of all these stories. Each one's a chapter in itself, but it's basically a story. Of, well, he's telling me about the um, Titanic. So look, and and the analogy to today's leadership. So over to you, uh, Vidisha, and, and start. You can start us off with back to the Titanic and the reasons why they found they it failed. All right. Thank you for having me again. Um, it's, it's always wonderful, Ross. And uh, now the, the story goes like this. So whenever something bad goes down, notice the fact that whenever something good happens, you never ask why it happened. No, no you don't, that's why you don't <laughs> learn. You don't learn from success so much. You only learn from pain, right? Why is it poor or why did that happen? Why did the, so train, why did the bridge collapse and the train was on? Whatever happened, right? Indeed. Yeah. And, and so when, when the Titanic obviously... Um, sunk and it was a major catastrophe and people started asking why did it happen at some point somebody's got to you know take the blame for it so after a lot of analysis um, they, they, they put out the whole, whole heap of reasons and it was very easy to summarize into three things the, the first was that obviously you you were so convinced that this was the best ship ever built and it probably was uh, at yeah. the time that you never put enough contingencies. And that's one of the reasons why they didn't have enough lifeboats um, and enough safety protocols in case something went wrong because they were not expecting anything to go wrong. No, they thought it was the greatest thing, didn't they? <laughs> the second, invincible. Said, absolutely. The second was actually down to structure as in, as in the hierarchical structure. Yeah. And they said neither the captain nor um, the second in command actually was literally out there looking out for something that might be going amiss in the sea. They over relied on, on technology. Um, and even when there were certain um, signals coming out, then they wouldn't necessarily go out there and check. And once again, this first um, um, you know, mindset yeah. played a part in that too. And finally, the third one was that given the two um, and given the fact that you were so convinced, they took time in responding to the situation. Um, and by the time they responded, much of the catastrophe has happened and all they could do was to salvage a situation rather than being yeah, yeah. about it. So, so I, I, couldn't, I couldn't but help that that is so true for everything that happens today as well. We are, we are fantastically overconfident of ourselves um, and we don't expect things to go wrong until they do. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's the fixed mindset. Absolutely. That's it's where, not this, is, this is perfecto here. Yep. And so therefore, I just stick to this this path because it's perfection. I don't need to look around and learn and grow or whatever. This yeah. is it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and also from where we left off the other day on an ecosystem perspective, all of these aspects form an ecosystem. You need yep. to have plans and processes and structures and people aligned towards all of these. The issue is that in most cases, these are just silos working independently, never connecting up. 
So the moment you use a word ecosystem, you understand that the reason why we call it an ecosystem is one is always connected to the other. Yeah. You can't take one out and call it an ecosystem. You can't take the sun out and call it an ecosystem. You can't take the trees out and call it an ecosystem. You can't take the water out and call it an ecosystem. All of it needs to be there. So in an organization, once again, when we kind of start to work on it from an organizational perspective, we have far too much fixation on one thing, the ship, for example. Well, let's get the ship to be the best ship possible. Yeah. What about the crew? Well, they don't need to do anything because you know the ship yeah, is all the instrument, all the instruments. <laughs> yeah, state of the art. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, um, so okay, fine. You said people, let's bring the best people in. Well, have they been trained? Well, not really, because they're the best people that you can find, right? So, yeah. so, yeah. so yeah, and then Fair enough, fair enough. You said um, structure and people and train people as well. Fine, great. So what about the process for training people and looking at the outcomes of that? But you said train people. Um, but yeah, but, but you know, it's not only training. There's an entire process around it. What about that? Well, that doesn't really matter because we have the best ship. <laughs> yeah, and they've been trained how to use that instrument. And that's it. Nothing else happens. So I don't need another <laughs> instrument. I don't need to do anything else. Because that's the best instrument in the best ship. Yeah. <laughs> So, so when, whenever you have that as a, as a linear thought process, it always fails because there are always limitations. Yeah. But, but if you don't look at it from a linear perspective and you look at it like almost like a, a cobweb. Yeah, that's, I was about to say that. I always say cobwebs. It's just things are attached everywhere to each other. Yeah. Absolutely. And even if one or two of those little things break, doesn't, doesn't falter it. No, the web still collect, catches insects. Um, before you throw in another question, something really interesting for your um, listeners. Um, read a book called The Spider and the Starfish. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. I really can't remember the author, but it stuck with me because what, what it talks about is leaderless organizations. Mm -hmm. Now, we, we talk a lot about leadership and the leadership's influence in an organization and its direction and its success. So they bring in some fantastic examples um, I know might might be politically incorrect, but but they talk about terrorist organizations too. But mm. they're organizations as well, right? Yeah. How is it that you can have a terrorist cell completely devoid of structure and run its mission without any central command? So the analogy is that most organizations are like a spider: take its head off, and the entire organization fails. But leaderless organizations are like the starfish: you can keep chopping it off, but a new one grows out again. Or it can function without any one of the one of its legs, tentacles, whatever. It can function by itself. So that's a beautiful um, book to read because it talks about exactly what you talked about, which is it creates an ecosystem that grows and perpetuates by itself. Um, and even the oiling part actually gets done by different different people. People don't even know that it's been oiled, but it gets yeah. done. So that's a that's another interesting take on it. Yeah, and that's and, that, and that's it. So like there, there again, uh, when you, you go back to the Titanic, if they if you had an ecosystem built where people were trying to do the best they could do, and the only thing they were heading towards was the port, the next port, and whatever little task they had to fulfill as part of the total ecosystem, then they should be filling it rather than 
the belief was all I do is be dictated to by the instrument that was dictated to by the captain, the first mate, whoever, right? But they're all doing their own thing or the impact. They knew their impact of what they, that team was doing. Therefore, we continue to do it. But they're probably trained a bit wrong because they're brainwashed to look at the instrument. In other words, it's not an ecosystem. It's, it's a linear sort of thing. Correct. Nothing else happens. See, fixed mindset. Nothing else happens unless the instrument tells you it's, it's happening. See, that's the fixed mindset. Where the growth mindset is, yes, we understand that that can happen and that is probably, probably close to perfection, but it's not perfection and nothing ever is. So therefore, as you're saying before, that things happen. You need contingencies or to, to look out for contingencies. That's the thing. And, and again, the thing is, Ross, the, the issue is, I know it sounds very um, counterintuitive and, and, and paradoxical when I say it this way, but it's exactly what it is. It is a paradox. Mm. I think that the thing that we miss out in leadership is that we always hedge one against the other rather than saying both. So for example, let's make sure that our strategy is top class. Um, yep. yep. And yep. if it works, we kind of attribute that success to strategy. Or we turn around and say, let's make sure that our people are the best of, best of class and everything else will fix itself. And, and, and when success happens, we say it's attributed to our people. But here's the thing. I don't think there's ever just one thing that contributes. No, to no. It, it, it needs a lot of things happening. There's a lot of All cogs of the in the wheel. It's a lot of cogs in the wheel for that, that overall turbine to turn, right? Exactly. Um, you take one out. So, then. So, Exactly. And, and, and it doesn't matter how small it is. It, mm. it needs to happen. That's right. And, and, and because we are so trained, and, and I'm guilty as charged in this, we are so trained to look at one or two things and this whole proverbial 80-20 rule that says, mm. you know, focus on the 20% that gives us the 80% of the result. It's, it's, it's fine to look at it that way. But the moment you do, you go down a rabbit hole in your own mind that you can't come out of because you get hardwired into thinking that way. And we omit the rest, even when it's staring at us in the face. I'll, I'll give you another quick story, right? So mm. I'm the only person on the planet, as far as I know, at least, only one on the planet that broke his leg parking a bicycle. Parking <laughs> not riding. a bicycle. That's a, well, <laughs> not riding one. <laughs> I'm not riding one, no, just parking it. Right? Yeah. Just parking it. So uh, one, one early morning, we, we went out riding and... Um, um, Coupled with a couple of my mates and parked down Gold Road, uh, right in opposite um, a rather fancy hotel, um, and and we were we wanted to greet one of our friends who just joined us, and we I just parked the bicycle on the wayside on the pavement. I was still on the bicycle, just kept my leg, and rested on the leg so that you know the bicycle would stand, and say yeah, hi, yeah. and that was that was it, right? I fell on it. Um, I had weak knees anyway, so I fell on it. I didn't think it was much of a big deal. Ended up in hospital and I broke, I broke it in seven places. I had, I had seven pins and a plate. Three months um, bed rest with, with just your you know, legs sticking out. And I actually asked myself, how the hell did this happen? You know, I mean, damn, you know, <laughs> you, you, you can't. And to the point where when they had to do immediate surgery to put it right. Um, because it was gone all over the place. Yeah. So they fixed it. And the next morning, when the doctor came um, to visit, my wife wasn't around. And he quietly said, I didn't want to ask this question when your wife was around. Were you drunk? 
<laughs> can't understand how you did that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So he said, I've, I've fixed many legs, including in the war. You're, you're the first guy with this kind of injury. So I said, I wish I was drunk. Then I can explain this, right? It's a much better story when you're drunk, um, mm -hmm. if you were drunk, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a much better story. But, but to think that you broke your leg in seven places, simply trying to park on the wayside sounds <laughs> ludicrous, right? But here's the sad part. Here's the sad part. All the telltale signs were there. Yeah. Every single telltale sign was there. So I had ligament issues from the time I was 16 years old. I know they were giving up. Um, I was told multiple times to fix it. I didn't because one thing or the other came up. Mm. And that was enough. The proverbial hair that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. And it happened on that fateful day. Now, thankfully, there was nothing coming on my way. It was early morning at about five o'clock. So it was all good. But the point I want to make is that this is linear thinking. Yeah. Right? You always think it's that one thing that actually makes it so. It isn't. It isn't bad luck. It isn't karma. It's just plain stupidity, right? Mm. Um, <laughs> right? So, but you could have fixed it in multiple points provided you, you, you were attuned towards it mm. and you took it seriously. But each of those events in its own self wasn't important enough to attend to. That's right. So then it gradually goes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens inside organizations as well. Mm. We see it coming a mile away. We really do. But it ain't that important yet. Yeah. Yeah. And the moment it happens and contributory factors kicks in, now we have a mess. And we fix a mess because that's what we are taught to do, right? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's having the, there again, the growth mindset, having an open mind to what could go wrong. It's no different even to the Titanic. Like the question was probably asked, well, if we get a, if, if there's an ice iceberg somewhere, the instruments will get it. So we don't have to worry about it. Sure. But rather than someone said, well, what if the instruments don't work properly? Oh Absolutely. no, this is a Titanic. That always works properly. So <laughs> all you need is someone to question it, be open to what else could go wrong rather than, no, that's the linear thinking, no, the, the instrument will take care of it. And, and I think, no, but, but, but here's the caveat. I, I think there's a danger in this also, and sometimes people do tell me this um, quite openly. He says, Vidusha, but we can't factor in everything. And that's so true. You can't factor in everything. Yeah, it, it, it would be endless. It would be endless. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But there is something that we have an, uh, as an instrument for that too, which is agility in the mind being able right. to respond to a situation without getting flustered and, and, yeah, and being able yeah. to be rational at that time is also a skill. We take that for granted. We all assume, you know what, because we've been trained on decision-making and all the rest of it, we'll work perfectly fine in a crisis. Um, and to a large extent, I think that's false. <laughs> you yeah. know, we panic in a crisis. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> do. Yeah. But yeah, the key is you can, you've got to come out of that. You've got to come out of it. Yeah, exactly. And, and being trained on that when things are good is important. Yeah. And I always cite the example of fire, fire alarms, right? Um, we don't actually, you know, do fire drills for the heck of it. That's preparation. Mm. And the moment you do that over a period of time, it becomes hardwired. It becomes almost instinct to do yeah. what needs yeah. to be done. And when it really happens, you're ready. So I think from a mindset perspective, we really do need to get people going in being able to simulate situations of that nature 
and being able to train people how do you respond in multiple different ways into any given situation before yeah. it actually happens. Yeah. And, so and, and when it does, you're ready. You're right. And that's to me, that's that, that's back to the ecosystem we we're talking about last time. It's that the fact that it it, it grows and, and it just it's evolving all the time. And Correct. so it may and like in a fire, like we're talking about the fire there, you know it's a fire. But in this situation, it's just something. The key is you can't design and, and 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 identify every something, but it's something. And it's the ability to react to the unknown, but something, but but you're reacting to the impact of what's happening and then move forward to create the to, to solve the unknown rather than, oh, we don't know what this is, we've only trained for the fire. This is not a fire. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like that's oh, it's, it's not an fire. iceberg, it's a torpedo. <laughs> oh hell, we haven't done that. Like like it goes on. It goes yeah. on. But but the fact is, how do we respond to the impact of what we're, we're about what we're facing? So therefore you can so to me the, the ecosystem tends to grow because you've got a multiple bunch of heads okay. being creative and open to it that someone within the group as a, or as a collective actually works out a solution. <clears throat> totally. Mm. Absolutely. And and again, I mean, I think kids kids give wonderful lessons in these. Um, I, I remember when COVID happened and they opened schools for the first time um, and they were asked to come to school. So they have one week on and one week off now. Yeah, so yeah. half the class comes to school and half yeah. the school um, stays at home. Um, and my son comes and asks me, so you know what? Um, you know, I'm supposed to wear a mask and then there's this visor type thing yeah. and so on and so forth. And he says, what happens if I want to sneeze? Right. <laughs> he's got an open mind to, he's got an open mind what do I do in this, this sort of situation I said, so I said whatever you do don't take the visor off because you're going to spray all over the place and it's bad habits anyway right mm. so he says no no I'm dead serious about it because kids are sneezing into the into the, into the mask mm. right and his question is if it's bad to let it spread if you keep sneezing into the mask and you keep breathing it in, isn't that bad for you? And I didn't have an answer for that. Mm -hmm. I really didn't because I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. I said, I, I honestly don't know. Let me go figure that one out. And I actually went and asked our family doctor, you know, um, and, and he looked at me and said, you know what? That's a fair point. <laughs> so, <laughs> we've, we've never had this problem set, right? <laughs> no, no one's ever asked us before, so we haven't solved it. <laughs> oh. So it went around and, and eventually we turned, we, we turned around and told him, look, you know, um, you know, sneeze into it and then maybe we'll give you about five or six more masks yeah. because he was having the sniffles, um, you know, change it and, and so on and so forth. But I mean, it's amazing that that 11 year old kid would think of that. Because it's, it's, okay. it's completely and that's, outside. And there again, like most, well, well, I think all children have a growth mindset. They're of open course they're, because they're learning, they're growing, and they, they, their brain is wired to, to, to look around them and ask questions to themselves. But as we, as we get become adults and we go into the work, right, the workplace is more reactionary. Correct. It's, it's, this happens, therefore we do this. It's all reactionary, right? And that, that closes the openness and makes it more towards fixed. Now, I mean, now a lot of businesses are saying we've got to have, we've got to look at, we've got to have people have with open mindsets. So they suddenly realised they've structured themselves too much, which, as we said in the previous uh, podcast, when we tell the story about your father, so it's a, more of a fixed belief of what happens in the structured sense, and that, and uh, like you tell me about, he, about him and the um, 
fax machine. I actually took a photo of the fax machine spitting out a piece of paper. I couldn't believe it. Just to add on to that one we did last time. I was so in disbelief. But see, it's that structured mind. How can this happen? Now people really, or the younger ones coming through, things happen all the time, organically, that the, 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 nothing surprises them really. But they've got that mind. But as soon as they go into business and they start reporting to older people who have come out of more of a fixed mentality, they start to put people more, you know, influence them to be more fixed rather than stay open. And that's that's the that's the the challenge for all leaders now is to they themselves have to have an open mindset, have to have a growth mindset. Absolutely. You can't just expect your teams to have them. You've got to have it, otherwise you don't create the environment by which they can grow in that ecosystem. Absolutely. And, that, and that's the thing. You've, it starts with you. It does not start with the team. So there again, if the team's not performing, that that's pointing it. Uh, that's pointing the arrow at you. It's not saying the team. I need a new team. You maybe you do, but you've got to action something. But if you keep getting the wrong team, then you've got to tell yourself, well, it must be me. Then it's at some point it's got to resonate somewhere. Absolutely, I totally agree. But uh, anyway, look on that note. Um, as we know, we get into the, well, I start listening to your stories and that's it. I'm done. <laughs> so blow over the podcast pretty quickly. But thanks, thanks for Dusha. Thank it's great to have you on again as a guest. We may do it again one day soon. Um, I'm sure we will. And thanks. Um, look, thanks for having us. And, and thanks uh, to everyone who's listened to the podcast today and Soul Spy Leadership. We'll be back with another one very soon. Thank you. Mm -hmm.